Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Minisode 114 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart. Hooray! Good morning. How are you? I'm okay, mate. How the hell are you? Not bad at all for date stamp purposes. 10.45 on a Sunday morning. Another week, another Minisode sailed close to the wind. Yes, 11th hour as usual. How has your week been? What I will say actually is, uh, it was very nice to actually see you in person this week. Yeah, that's right. We had a socially distant garden meeting yesterday where we just uh, caught up over a couple of beers across a garden. Yes, Mm -hmm. yeah, very nice. Overdue, I think. That was great. Uh, But apart from that, how has your week been? It's been okay, Mitch, if I'm if I'm honest with you. Uh, my my son's in a bit of a like a developmental leap, so uh, it's uh, long nights just now. I've got to be honest, a lot of waking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from that, I'm okay. Taking along, uh, watching stuff. Uh, I watched one thing of uh, I, I guess of no, I've been a, I've been revisited old episodes of MythBusters on Amazon Prime. <laughs> cool. Okay. See, like um, there's times where like see something like that. It's like very endemic of the way that I use my time for this purposes is not productive. Like, see, like, there's times where I sit and I'm re-watching something, like, not Mythbusters, but, like, I recently discovered Shark Tank on Netflix a little while ago. I think I mentioned it on the show. <laughs> Every now and yeah. again, it's like, I'm going to watch these people shout at aspiring businessmen instead of watching something new. Yeah, I'm exactly the same, but I did manage to get something watched, at least. Okay. Uh, what you got for us? I watched Echoes of Fear. Echoes of Fear. Now, this is a new release, am I right? Well, I mean, I think it's a 2018 release, but it's now out via Second Sight. Okay, so I know very little about this, so synopsize us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about this one. <laughs> so this is coming from uh, joint directors Brian and Lawrence Avanet Bradley. Right, I feel like I know that surname from somewhere. What else have they done? Uh, I'll just quickly run through some titles and you can tell me if you know any of them. Yep. 2013's Malignant. Uh, no, uh, 2005's Dark Remains. Yeah, that's really that's really all. And a, a film called Freezer, as in it looks like it's supposed to be Freeze Heart because there's an apostrophe before the final ER. Okay, right, none of those are ringing a bell, so what is Echoes of Fear about? Echoes of Fear is the story of a girl called Elisa who kind of inherits this house from her grandfather who dies right at the very beginning in the shower. Okay. Um, and, w- and when she moves in, very, very quickly, almost immediately, there's uh, sounds and creakings and ghostly phenomena everywhere, like, around every single corner. Yeah, I mean, see, within the first 15 minutes, right, you've got countless rumblings in the shower, and in the house as a whole, you've got eerie voices on an intercom, spoiled fruit in a randomly opening fridge, you've got an attic ascent, which, I mean, the attic ascent is normally around about the half-hour mark in a film, at the very, very earliest. Uh-huh. So they go, they, she goes up to the attic to investigate some more strange noises. There's a haunted cookie jar. Right, okay, naturally. Black bathwater and a terrified plumber who runs off. You know, like the, the priest in the Abbeville Horror who's like, yeah, I can't help you, I can't help you, runs off like uh-huh. that. Uh, we've got a weird, eerie neighbour 
and a presumably cunty boyfriend all within the first 15 minutes. Wow, all those things are normally there, but yeah, they're normally a little bit more staggered than that. I'd say the first hour of this, I couldn't believe how slowly it moves, and got close several times to shutting this one off. Okay. Uh, not least of all because the lead actress has the most painfully annoying baby voice. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it actually kind of does some interesting stuff later on and it gets a bit more engaging towards the end. So if you can kind of bear with it, there is a kind of decent payoff towards the end. There's also a couple of effective jump scares that I didn't see coming that caught me off guard. Okay. In a kind of j horror -y way. So you can kind of imagine the visual of how these jump scares play out. Okay, yeah, I think I'm with you. So, uh, not meritless, but also not great is what I'm getting from Echoes of Fear. That's absolutely correct. I also forgot to mention, Mitch, there's a spooky curtain. <laughs> spooky curtain's my favourite. Some of the stuff in the early running is painful between Alyssa and her pal who kind of visits to help her. Some of the delivery it almost borders on troll too bad. Okay. Eesh. Like there was a few moments during it where some of the lines just cracked me up. So there's this kind of doubt around whether or not it's actually a ghostly phenomena or someone living in the house. Okay. And there's actually dialogue to the effect of, if it's not a squatter, then it's definitely a ghost. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, the only two plausible explanations. It's not fault in the pipework or just a house settling. It's uh, squatters or ghosts, and that's it. But yep. yeah, like yep. I say, this, this isn't great. Certainly not in the early running. Mm -hmm. But it does get more interesting towards the end in a way that I quite liked. Okay, interesting. Yeah, but if you can get over what is a hard-going first 45 minutes i would say in terms of performance and, and the films it's quite a flatly made film it's not very visually engaging mm -hmm. um so if you can get past that and get to the kind of last half an hour there's some more interesting stuff in there i think okay i don't know if i have that kind of time <laughs> you're a busy man right now by the way congratulations oh thank you very much thanks yeah yeah if anyone didn't see this week mitch was able to announce but something i've known for quite a while that you are rescoring former guest Adam Stovall's excellent A Ghost Ways. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done some scoring work for that, and uh, the cut with my music in it will be playing the digital version of Fright Fest at the end of the month. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to hearing what people think of that. And for the people that have already seen it, I hope I haven't fucked up something that you already like. <laughs> Um, but aside from that, I did make room for uh, some stuff. I didn't have a great amount of luck either, in all honesty. Um, I did watch a couple of things, though. I went on to Netflix and watched Polaroid. All right, okay. So this is directed by Lars Klevberg, and if that name rings a bell, it's because he also directed oh, the mm -hmm. Child's Play reboot. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this one is about a haunted camera, a Polaroid camera, obviously, and when people have their photos taken with it, then in the background of the photos, you'll see a spooky shadow, and then fairly soon after that, aforementioned spooky shadow slash wheezy entity, in this case, will kill that person, most often off screen. Sure, right, okay. Mm -hmm. So, um... You get introduced to the mythology of it. Obviously, the mythology of it is not particularly complex. You get that in the first few minutes. The pre-credits death slash stinger takes six and a half minutes. Right, okay. And it's not satisfying when it happens. Huh. But then we jump to the present day and we meet a high schooler called Bird. Sure. Who gets this camera as a gift from someone who works with her. And then basically she takes a bunch of photos and then a bunch of people start to die. This is kind of like, it's not bye-bye man bad. Oh, okay. But it does deal in that same... Uh, very interchangeable characters that it's very difficult to care about sitting in circles having worried conversations and taking a very long time to piece together the mythology of certain things inevitably there is an exposition dump from someone who is tenuously linked to the history of the story 
around about the hour mark, naturally. I think my real problem with this, apart from the fact that um, performance-wise, it's really lacking, I just it all feels a little bit phoned in in that standard, very ropey Netflix original horror way. Okay, cool, got you. Also, there's a twist towards the end that feels particularly kind of icky and unearned right. that I won't get into, but I remember thinking, I was like, oh, that's a needlessly unpleasant thing to kind of shoehorn in here just to darken things up for the hell of it kind of thing. Okay. I kind of felt like it wasn't doing good enough work as it was, and it felt like rather than try to develop the stuff that was there in a better or more nuanced way, it just kind of ladles on something that's unnecessarily kind of mean-spirited and uh, kind of nasty. Right. Now, was there a scuttling creature in this? Uh, Javier Batet, isn't it? Bless his heart. Doing right. uh, some reasonably good kind of creature work in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always pretty good in the things that he's in. But I think that because he's got such a stranglehold on that market. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, him and Doug Jones have got it locked up. Yeah, and I think that it basically means that they both get a lot of work, but also their hit rate is wild all over the map. <laughs> sure. And uh, mark this towards the lower end, I would say, of uh, of that. But so Polaroid, yeah, I would steer well clear of that one for a few different reasons. When it's not bland, it's just kind of nasty, and not in a way that's kind of unfriended, dark web fun nasty. It's just kind of nasty in a way that just makes you kind of sad. <laughs> So I would avoid that one. Also, and I don't know why I did this, but um, uh, this week I was looking for something, basically, again, just to kind of like fit a certain window of time. I wanted to throw something on that I could just keep an eye on. I've been curious about it for a while, um, and I was curious to see if it was as bad as everyone said it was. Okay. So I headed back to 2002 for American Psycho 2, uh, which is available on Amazon Prime in the UK. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis, yeah. So basically what you have here is, assuming that the plot beats of American Psycho are not something that I need to readily revisit, but obviously it centers around uh, yuppie serial killer Patrick Bateman, Mm -hmm. uh, who obviously is kind of like an indomitable threat in the first film, but is uh, very easily dispatched by a 12-year-old in the opening of this. (laughs) Um, Or at least someone masquerading as Patrick Bateman who's demonstrably not Christian Bale because you don't see his face. But yeah, uh, he's he's killed by a 12-year-old who, I think like her babysitter's dating him at the time. Right. So she is part of this kind of like horrific kidnapping and torture tableau. So she just like gets, but she just gets up from the table and stabs him. And Patrick Bateman's just dead. Yeah. And then it leaps uh, forward and we join that same 12-year-old in the present day. And she's played now by Mila Kunis and she is at college. Uh, she's being taught by William Shatner. Sure. And she's determined to be <laughs> his teaching assistant for the following year and uh, to, to be this kind of shoe-in for this FBI training program for criminology or forensic pathology or whatever it is this doesn't quite go to plan and what you get is this kind of escalating sequence of mass murders that feels like it always is like one move away from being fun but never is (laughs) and uh when the set pieces aren't happening everything that's happening in between is just like so unbelievably on the nose in the way that it's just shamelessly setting things up there's not a line of dialogue in here that isn't telling you something you need to know about a character or just trying to shamelessly and desperately bolster the plot forward (laughs) So this is dreadful. Like, it's really, really poor. I was kind of expecting that. But what I did find interesting was I went and looked up a little bit about it, and it's not surprising to me at all, given how tenuous the connection is, Mm -hmm. that this is one of those things where this was a spec script that was not conceived as an American Psycho sequel. Yeah. Yeah, And that that decision was taken so late in the day that Mila Kunis was already in it, and it was shot by the time that it was reappropriated as being American Psycho 2. (laughs) Because she's spoken about it since, being like, can someone please stop this? <laughs> um, and she's basically said, she was like, she was like, I just thought it was going to be this kind of like fun, trashy thriller. But what we got instead was like this kind of being shamelessly rewritten, tweaked with a intro 
inserted that shackles it to the original in this very tenuous way so i always kind of feel for people who find themselves in those situations oh absolutely absolutely so i'm not going to lay the blame for this at the feet of mila kunis i mean don't get me wrong regardless of whether or not this was american psycho 2 or whatever it was going to be called originally it's still a bad film yes uh, that is undoubted i haven't seen it in a long long time but i have no desire to rush back to it no it's a total howler but yeah american psycho 2 and polaroid both out there both i would say ones to avoid there's a lot of good films in the world yeah don't waste your time yeah go watch them instead if anything has piqued your curiosity about the ways that you think that these things might be fun they're not <laughs> life's too short to watch bad films well this kind of bad film i would say suppress that instinct yeah so <laughs> mix what she sings from the 90s he does indeed now after last week and hush uh, disappointing me quite so oh, yeah. markedly mm-hmm. i moved one year forward to 1999 and kind of stayed in the realm of kind of things that are probably more kind of dark thrillers okay but i did want something that was considerably better i had seen it a fair while ago when i was a much younger man and i thought that watching it again <laughs> with an adult's head on my shoulders i might get a little bit more out of it okay so i watched arlington road this week all right okay wow uh yeah the uh jeff bridges tim robbins hope davis joan cusack thriller yes uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar jeff bridges has a kid um his wife is dead but he's dating hope davis and a couple played by tim robbins and joan cusack move in next door he suspects that they are not all that they appear to be and the film is basically about him trying to unravel what it is about them that he finds so kind of disquieting. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this being really good. And on rewatch, I think it is still really entertaining. Yeah. And I think that like, I think it hits all the right beats and gets all the right reactions out of you at the right time. It's a well-made thriller in that way. Yeah. And I think that like the acting chops across the board are very high, are very good, you know? So there's no weak link in the chain here performance-wise. Everyone's doing great work. I would say that it gets slightly silly in getting where it needs to be. Or not even necessarily silly, but like fanciful. Like I would say that there are things that I didn't notice on first watch that feel a little bit convoluted and a little bit stretched. Like, um, I don't want to get too spoilery about it in case people haven't checked this out, because I do think people should watch it. It's really entertaining. But um, Mm -hmm. there are certain things, like for a plan to work, someone's behavior has to be very, very accurately predicted. (laughs) Sure. And things like car crashes have to have very precise outcomes right and it was only on second watch where i was like it's a bit of a leap to have something this variable figured in a plan that's this meticulous and there's quite a few instances like that but yeah it's it's super entertaining it's written by erin kruger actually oh really uh yes take what you want from that (laughs) Um, but but, uh yeah like i say this is out there and it's pretty good fun i'd imagine a lot of you out there have seen it actually yeah yeah yeah. i've seen it yeah i remember liking it i mean it was was a pretty high profile thing at the time big star power and it made 41 million dollars and things like that you know it's like it's a pretty well-seen film but i thought it was worth a revisit and i think i was probably narrowly right enough i would like to see you watch a whole bunch of other kind of 90s thrillers as well like things like single white female and Pacific Heights thing, maybe even things like Dead Cam, although Dead Cam might be nineteen eighty nine. Okay, uh, but I'd like to see your response to more of those kind of suburban nightmare thrillers. Although Dead Cam's set on a boat. Well, I mean, you know what? The game's not over, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, you've got nothing but time at the moment, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to have a little more, but yeah, like, you know, I've, I've casted net far and wide for as long as I've been doing the 90s side quest, and that's not going to change. Good man. So. What have they been saying? Feedback time then, and a decent amount of feedback, unsurprisingly, on this week's episode, in which I am Lisa director Patrick Ray joined us to talk Jason Takes Manhattan. Big thank you to Patrick for doing that, and that was a really fun episode as well. It really was. Apologies to everyone for the delay the other day. I made, uh, 
added after error in putting this episode together. Like, I need a total kind of it. I don't think that was necessarily all the way your fault. A few things going on there, but a lot of feedback coming in about this. I want to say a quick hello to uh, Kevin Matthews, Salted Popcorn on Twitter. Hi, Kevin. Listen to it this morning. Well worth the wait. I've always had a big soft spot for this one. Even the little meta gag as Jason climbs out of the water and turns posed alongside the hockey rink sign. The boat stuff is That's actually right. really fun, but I agree on that boxing scene. And so much as it's the best scene in the film. Uh, yes, I believe that was the consensus at the time, yeah. Darren Gaskell getting in touch, mm-hmm. saying, I took in more of Manhattan when I was there. Admittedly, <laughs> Jason did beat me hands down in the senseless murder stakes. I'd like to think so, yeah. just want to take a quick second, actually, to say hello to Darren and give a quick shout-out to the fact that he has uh, started a series of podcasts, Socially Distanced Cinema, which is available now, or the first episode is anyway, um, as he tentatively heads back to the cinema as a pandemic rules are slackened pretty interesting stuff the first episode in proxima is out now so uh, go get that wherever you get podcasts mm-hmm, absolutely and yeah support that and he's a lovely guy he supports everyone else absolutely yeah absolutely i'm gonna say a quick hello to yeah. uh, andrea martins who uh came in with an every cloud mentality on the episode delay right okay saying honestly not to bring a big foul here but because of the delay i can listen to this episode while sitting on my balcony and having breakfast definitely an enjoyable way to listen uh andre you can do that any week yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm incredibly jealous to, that you well not that you get to listen to us, but that you've you've got a nice balcony you can relax on to eat your breakfast. Yeah, very nice indeed, very nice indeed. But thanks for getting in touch, Andre. And like I say, we never like when an episode comes out a little bit late, so it was nice to hear that somebody got the benefit of it. Yeah, tell you what though, James Plum has got a bit of a problem with Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh yeah, he's saying if the film was called Jason on a Boat, he would have fewer issues with it. <laughs> okay, I can kind of understand the reasoning there. I think that people need to get too hung up on the false advertising element of this. It's that word takes that ruins the title i guess so i think that's what makes people the most upset and the most aggrieved about it is that it's that word takes uh, i mean I, I when i was looking through uh, crystal lake memories the book uh, in preparation for recording and watching the film the other day the director rob hedden actually says in the book that i, I think the, the title came around during an initial meeting with producers when he said something along the lines of i really want to take jason out of crystal lake put him somewhere bigger with a larger scope and a big city for example and one of the producers just hit out with ah jason takes manhattan and i think at that point not only was the film's destiny sealed but i feel like already that was hurdles and rob hedden's way to get in the film that maybe he wanted right okay that makes sense anything else on jason takes manhattan yeah andrew barron reached out to us on facebook and said after this week's episode i'm convinced now more than ever I made the right decision choosing a Jason Takes Manhattan theme for my state-mandated face covering. <laughs> and uh, he, he shared a photo of his uh, lockdown face gear. Excellent. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, just to confirm, it is Jason Takes Manhattan themed. Lovely. Great to hear my favourite 13th so ably defended. Have to say, I side with Mitch and Patrick regarding my appreciation for the character of Charles. I especially like how when he finally decides to fight off Tamra's advances, he suddenly transforms into a pound shop Frankie Howard. <laughs> Uh, great stuff lads ah thanks very much Dennis Extra Atherton got in touch Mm -hmm. very enjoyable I agree that if they had cut the boat stuff down as the film is so long running it would have helped with the time they had in New York not seeming quite as short Mm -hmm. a better tighter cut is hidden in there somewhere the beatbox scene is epic though presumably what he's talking about there is the scene where Jason interrupts some punks having a nice night on the street annoying people with their boombox you know you know when you're like you're on the bus right it's generally kids that do this 
they're on the bus and they think it's appropriate to listen to whatever shite music they like without headphones on their phone. Yeah, that drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's completely inappropriate. Stop it. I feel like that's what these punks are doing. They're forcing their music on other people. So Jason's, I think Jason's right. In fact, uh, congratulations, Jason. Yeah, you're doing us all a service. Yeah, yeah, doing the Lord's work. But it is, it is a great scene. Something else I have, it's not quite Jason Takes Manhattan, but it is New York adjacent. Okay. <laughs> Shan at Herbihor got in touch to say that uh, Kean showed her clips from Hercules in New York last night, the incredible Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. Mm-hmm. And just from those clips, she wants to hear our opinions. Okay. Give me a potential future Patreon shout, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be more than happy to discuss it on Patreon. But what I will say right now is it's fucking hilarious. I haven't seen it. Really? Really? Yeah, I guess that's not surprising. <laughs> Colour me blown away. <laughs> Actually, on the subject of Kean and Shan, Kean himself got in touch as well this week. He was catching up with Dead Heat. Oh, I saw that. Ahead of yeah. catching up with the episode uh, that we did, of course, with James Plum. Yeah. On that very film. And he said, I just watched Dead Heat for the first time so I could catch up with the SLVS episode. I think that deep down I'll always harbour a little bit of resentment towards the strong violent BC lads for the hour and a half I'll never get back. Kean, I hope the episode made it worth it. I think that's incredibly uncharitable. I know you do. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've had a couple of weeks, Mitch, how has Dead Heat settled in with you? I'm not going back to it. Oh, okay. Right, that's that. You've been there, done that. Moving on. Yeah, no, I think think that, like, I think that, like, my time is short. I need to be watching things like American Psycho (laughs) 2. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would watch Dead Heat a million times over before I revisited American Psycho 2. Uh, yeah. I mean, realistically, I will also not revisit American Psycho 2. <laughs> sure. Uh, elsewhere, what's say hello to Grant Sherwin, uh, Pollock Perlow. Hello, Grant. Uh, he was letting us know, and as you know, I do like hearing, or we do like hearing, about how we fit into people's days, what mm-hmm. people are up to while they're listening to us, all that kind of thing. Uh, Grant with a good one. We soundtracked his first draft pint since March this week. That's quite lovely. Yeah, I'm quite glad that we uh, that we got to be a part of that, Grant. He also posted a picture of a very appealing looking pint of Peroni. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that on Twitter. It, it looks beautiful. It's got the beads of condensation trickling down the outside of the frosty glass. Oh, it's got the, just the right amount of head on it. It's, it's Yeah, you're right. Incredibly appealing. Yeah. So, Grant, thanks for letting us be a part of uh, what is a big rite of passage for a lot of people venturing back out into the wider world. Yeah, and I've got to say, I'm now gasping for a pint. Yeah, I quite fancy one as well, actually. I've got some work to do that I could definitely do remotely. <laughs> and now I kind of want it. i pub after this. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's maybe not such a bad shout. Um, you got anything else before we move on? Nope. I have a couple of items of miscellany before we go uh, any further. Oh, exciting. Quick look at Chris Skelp getting in touch, uh, letting us know about his ongoing uh, viewing or listening, I guess. Sure. I guess both. Mm-hmm. As he moves through the old, mostly minisodes, but some episodes of the show. And uh, he did mention at this point, he threw open the floor for uh, fellow chuds in the Chud Locker on Facebook to uh, weigh in with their favourite both films and episodes. Okay. Because he doesn't generally listen to the episodes unless he has seen the film. So he was basically like, is there anything here that I should specifically go and check out and kind of hasten, move some episodes up the list kind of thing. And Kim Morrison got in touch saying she recommended Halloween H2O and Teeth. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. The episode and the film. I think uh, get the films done so you can listen to the episodes. I think it was the tone of that. Okay. Um, okay. But I want to say hello to Kevin Matthews because he got in touch with uh, some uh, some very extended stuff or some kind of very considered okay. thoughts 
on uh, some episodes and I'd be curious to know what you think of these recommendations fire away so Kevin said I'd have to recommend Queen of the Damned one of the first movies I watched in the generally accepted Mitch way in a public area (laughs) (laughs) remember that when I didn't have any Wi-Fi and I was like watching things like Call the Boss and Slugs and stuff uh, on like pub Wi-Fi yeah you were watching some repellent things in in public (laughs) yeah i I didn't like it any more than they did but you know needs must at the time uh halloween 3 remains a favorite episode so see that film if you haven't yet and enjoy it's one of my favorites too kevin i must say Mm -hmm. also uh, i said uh hellboy is a great episode and rawhead rex uh obviously all the way back to episode four with that one i think yeah yeah that's correct uh johnny mnemonic as well and also for the level of detailed factoid jaws the revenge Um, he had a few others in there, uh, Anaconda, Howard the Duck, Contracted Phase 2, Congo, Garbage Pill Kids, and Hellbent. Kevin, it is nice to know that when you were pressed on favourite episodes, you could come up with a list that long. That's very gratifying. Incredibly so, yeah, that's brilliant. And a big thank you to everybody who got in touch and uh, tried to give Chris a little bit of steering uh, on where to go next with his listening. Uh, very much appreciated, and thank you all for just being interested enough to join in with those conversations. We appreciate it a lot. You're all brilliant. Uh, one more before we move on, and we were talking about the 100% Club this week uh, as part of the same sure. thread. And uh, Canel points out something very worthwhile here he says the 100% club while being boss is not something I would shame someone for not being in on account of the fact that you really don't need to hear festival previews of festivals where you've already seen all the films couldn't agree more totally fair enough still I did that myself but whilst I was in a position where I had 8 hours to listen to podcasts every single day during work fair enough also Canel also said though um, not 100% anymore because uh, he's not on the Patreon and I want to flag something up I don't think that the 100% club remit extends to Patreon content personally that's bonus material it's a bonus material right, that's exactly. entirely bonus material yeah if it's released on our rss feed that's your 100 percent club right there oh that's a good rule i was trying to come up with a quotable succinct soundbitey way to sum up what i thought the rule was and you've just done it there yeah, there you go you're, you're welcome mitch and just before we move on i do want to say a big hello to film fan stevie who sent us a couple of things this week about his triumphant return to the Curzon soho yes congratulations stevie you're home He's finally made it back. He sent us a picture of his, his trusty Glasgow Film Festival bag resting on his like famous corner spot in the Curzon Soho. And you know what? Honestly, my heart grew three sizes. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully imagine Stevie collapsing to his knees and kissing the, the threshold as he passed over. Normality means a lot of things to a lot of people when in talking about kind of like things that you get to do again after the pandemic and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is, this is Stevie's normal. But this was the moment. So Stevie... Very, very happy that you're back where you belong there at the Curzon Soho. I'm sure that they were very happy to see you as well. So big hello to Stevie there. And uh, thanks to everybody who got in touch this week. It's been a really fun week of feedback and a lot of fun like, interactions and things. So that's great. Thank you, guys. That was excellent. So it is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any other identifying text and left behind only the image. It will, of course, fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis based on the image alone. We will share the image all over social media channels so you guys can get in touch and play along as well, which is often slash always the best part of this entire process. <laughs> this past week, we had Twice Dead. Correct. Which yes, was yes, well uh, reappropriated by me as Blood Red Tape clerical terror <laughs> um and we had a lot of people getting in touch this week so i'm going to shoot through uh some of the picks yeah please do. uh by the way strap in because we've got a few here and a few of them are pretty decent length as well 
Okay, that, that, that's good. So, um, and a few a few debutants and a few infrequent pitchers as well. Oh my God. So, uh, Shakes, the Shakes72 on Twitter. Hi, Dave. Getting in touch saying, Henry Wellhung Hodgson was a suburban Lothario of some repute until the husbands of Tashnose County <laughs> <laughs> enacted metaphorical revenge as a lynch mob. After a swift deal with the devil, Henry's back with a sack full of revenge in 1989's Is That a Knife in Your Pocket? <laughs> Alexis, Cosmic Ray Girl, getting in touch. Vinny the Hoocher was such a smoocher. He ducked and dived into devilry and did dozens of dirty deeds daily. His latest crime is making counterfeit ice cream. Tune in this Friday to watch the true story of how vile Vinny was vindicated in V for Vianetta. <laughs> uh, Canel, a 19th century poet slash author, becomes radicalised by a time-travelling Herman Goebbels, then tears his book to shreds and uses ancient occult rituals to bring demonic life to the resulting scraps of paper. 1983's Thomas Hardy's Monster Nazi Origami. <laughs> Uh, Kevin Matthews, when some kids wander around a haunted house on Halloween, teen horror fan Heimlich Maneuver almost chokes on his candy when he finds a mask of horror legend Vincent Price. Putting it on, Heimlich finds himself possessed by the cinematic villains played by the late great actor, and he stalks his friends to cause a number of grisly deaths. Yes, it's 1992's German oddity Das Price ist Falsch, <laughs> released in other territories as The Price is Wrong. Uh, Guy Reefert? Okay. Uh, yeah. Looks like The Shining Part 3 is Wendy is looking into her bathroom mirror 20 years later to be confronted by the ghost of the past. Reprising his role, Jack Nicholson chases Wendy through different dimensions in alternate Overlook hotels. <laughs> Lovecraft meets King in fantasy horror directed by Christopher Nolan. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, got uh, Boz getting in touch. Vincent Price with a slice and dice utilizing smashing window device. <laughs> and uh, a debutant pitcher here again, Eleanor Jackson. Oh, is, is this also a new person, Claxon? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yes, uh, not a new person to me. I've known Eleanor for a few years, but new to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Eleanor's pitch then. After the raging success of the first two movies, I love it when things start like this, when you know you're in franchise territory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you're deep, deep into a series. Uh, yeah, and we are here. Magnus Mirrorball is back on the reception circuit in his late father's possessed purple suit. I love how much knowledge this assumes. Ready to crash and slash the most upscale <laughs> weddings in town. Mirror summoning the Leviathan Elder God introduced in his unparalleled sequel, Magnus aims to infiltrate the wedding party via catering and enact his ongoing revenge. Seeking dastardly deeds from the dessert cart, these bloodlusting buddies unwittingly stumble onto the set of an adult film. But that won't stop the carnage in 1978's Cummerbund 3, Cumbuns Undone by Dagon. <laughs> Excellent. Just a couple more here. Gee, wow, okay. Um, apologies and apologies to the people whose tweets we didn't get to this week. Uh, there's just a lot of them. Uh, Adam Guest getting in touch for the first time as well. Okay, welcome to the, the world of pitching, Adam. Horror legend Robert England stars as autoerotic asphyxiation enthusiast, ladies' man, part-time Vincent Price impersonator, and all-round well-dressed chap, I'm into S&M, who purchases a discounted set of mirrors from his local home base with the intent to upgrade his boudoir with visual pleasure you can't measure. He's shocked to discover the mirrors are demonic totems, which suck him into a world which reflects the owner's worst fears. Now trapped in a world of repressed desires, mundane missionary and married sex timetabled around when the kids are asleep, Aminta has to find a way to escape this alternate joyless world of cry-wanking vanilla sex and hip replacements, risking encounters with bingo hall hotties called Vera by smashing the very mirrors that have cursed him to this fate. Will Aminta succeed? Can he escape the clutches of the anti-erotic demon mastermind, I'll kill you Stevie? <laughs> it's time to lay back and think of England in seven years of bad fucks. 
And finally, for this week, Chris Skelp. Oh, okay, wow, okay. While playing the part of Simon Leesball, game show host turned prolific serial killer in his latest movie, Terror in a Tuxedo, veteran horror actor Vincenzo Priest scoffs at the idea of a cursed mirror one of the crew brings onto set. At this point, a real-world version of Simon is conjured into existence and begins slaying Vincenzo's relatives one by one in the same manner as the victim of Simon's in the script. Right. With each kill, the victim is one step closer to Priest. Will the mirror killer be stopped before Priest himself gets the chop? Infamous celebrity double Vinnie St. Price plays the part of Vincenzo Priest in 1985's <laughs> troubled meta-oddity The Priest's Fright, finally available on DVD after an out-of-court settlement with unnamed parties. <laughs> As, wow. That is your extensive lot of pitching this week. Like I say, big apologies to those that we didn't read out. Uh, this is an almost unprecedented volume for a week. Guys, that was brilliant. Thank you. So with that, best pitch and best character name, please. Uh, I'm going to give the best character name to Vincenzo Priest because of all the names in there that were quite close to Vincent Price's name, that was my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair, I like that. So Chris Scalpin in that one. And uh, best pitch? Adam. Adam Guest for Seven Years of Bad Fucks. <laughs> yeah. Very happy with both of those. So uh, two first-time players coming away with the goods this week. Chris Scalp, Adam Guest, big well done to you. A lot of nothing for each of you. Rab, the delivery driver, will be out on the road first thing tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might even be on the road tonight if we can get in touch with him. Who can say? Uh, Who can say? He's, he's an enigmatic guy. He is. He, is. he kind of just turns up whenever so he's kind of like Batman in that regard. Or like Yodel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like fucking Hermes. Don't get me started. Don't get me started on Hermes. Hermes, if you're listening... <laughs> You are far and away the worst delivery company out there. <laughs> Savage. Oh, man, we'll definitely piss someone off with that. So, uh, it's my turn then, I guess. Yes, yeah. Are you ready for this yeah, one? Yeah, why not? Uh, here we go. Oh. oh, God, am I? Right, okay. Um. Right, okay. So, there's no border to this image, and the background is black. Right. In the lower half of the image, we have a full moon in the background, and what we're seeing here is what looks like a large secluded kind of country home i would say or at least a rural home mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. yeah 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 um a lot of lights are on in here uh these people are either very uh reckless with their electricity or there's a lot of people in here yeah could be could be either uh, in the top half of the image uh quite a lot going on to be honest on the left we have so we've got two heads here that look like they're kind of like quite gruesomely adjoined sure uh, so on the left-hand side, as we look at it, we have uh, a kind of monstrous-looking guy uh, with a with a big nose who has like quite a lot of skin peeling off his face. Yeah, the skin uh -huh, is kind of uh -huh. like brownish green and kind of leathery looking where it is there, and underneath it, it's kind of, you've kind of got these kind of like these kind of pulsing-looking red membranes around a yellow eye. Or two yellow eyes, I guess. Yeah. He's also got um, some fangs there as well, and is looking kind of menacingly snarling, if you like, into the camera. To the right of him, or at least to our right, we have um, a woman who is screaming facing the camera. She's got blonde hair and green eyes, and part of her face is kind of peeling away because it seems like it has kind of adjoined to the head of the monster next to us at the temple. But it goes further than the temple, in fairness, Mitch. It goes all the way down to our chin. It's true, actually. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, so there you go. We have distressed woman and scaly disfigured man joined at the head against a midnight backdrop of a large house. Yep, I think you've hit on almost everything there. I would say so. Um, okay, uh, give me a sec and I'll see what I can do. No problem at all. Mm. <laughs> 
quite similar to the second poster for breeders that we had the other if week. If this is breeders, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> if this is breeders, I'm going to merge my head with you. <laughs> and then we'll see what's what, mister. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, yeah, this is um, this is this is a busy one. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and subvert something deliberately here. Okay, okay. Um, I've got to say, there's a vague dickishness to the creature's nose in a similar way to the judge and nothing but trouble. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, nothing but trouble. I kind of forgotten that we did that one. <laughs> it's all come rushing back to you. That now. was a fun episode, though. Brett and Drew Pierce, of course, who uh, went on to have the number one film at the US box office this summer. Yeah, with a wretched. Yeah, congrats, guys. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay, I think I've got something here. Lay it on me. After three years together, well-intentioned but weak-willed Tim Idguy thinks it's time to cut ties from his controlling girlfriend, Iona Toolbox. However, if she can't have him, no one can. During the breakup conversation, she disfigures him horribly and imprisons him in the basement of her isolated country home. As her descent into madness intensifies, Tim must hatch a plan to escape before her plan reaches its grotesque climax, joining them together forever, both in marriage and by physically welding their heads together using her years of electrical and woodworking experiences. <laughs> With time running out, Tim must use all his cunning to escape the scene and flee the ultimate bridezilla in Detective Frankly Middling's 1987 body horror shocker, Bride or Die, to have and to solder. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, man. Thanks very Thank much. You. Yeah, yeah, I like that you just went for disfigured rather than became an actual living, breathing monster. Yeah, I also thought that um, it might be nice to subvert the expectation of the monstrous-looking guy being the villain. Oh, right, okay. Thought I'd make him the victim instead, which means that her kind of screamy face doesn't really make sense. But you know what? See me. I will. <laughs> okay, come on. What is this? And. Uh, Who's synopsizing for us then? What year did you say? I said 87. Oh, unfortunately not, Mitch. You're a little bit out. 1990. Oh man, I always went for 1990. Okay, what's the film? Well, the film is Troll 2 director Claudio Fragasso's Night Killer. No way. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess that answers the question, is this any good? But uh, who's synopsizing for us? <laughs> this week's synopsizer is Valerie. Okay. A serial killer in Freddy Krueger's rubber mask terrorises the city of Virginia Beach, killing many women after raping them. One of her victims is a beautiful Tara Buckman in the role of Melanie Beck. The two women no longer remembers the violence she survived in the past, but the memory will return when the serial killer shows up to continue to torment her physically, and not only carnally. Oh my god, it's okay. Jesus Christ. Need I ask, is this any good? Uh, no! Nope. Sounds dreadful. That concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week. That image is, of course, now everywhere. Get in, join in, do better than me. The bar is low. Yes, it is indeed. <laughs> Moving on to streaming platforms then, and uh, not a great deal this mm. week, but some pretty interesting stuff. So Netflix, not a massive amount going on, but on Friday, I feel like I big this up every time it comes back around again, but on <laughs> Friday we've got uh, season four of 3%. Oh, right, okay, the Brazilian thing. Yes, hands down, my favourite Netflix original series, and no one has seen it. So if, um, if anyone can uh, watch this so I have someone to talk about it with, that would be lovely. But uh, summoned to the offshore on a diplomatic mission, Joanna and her team hatch a plan to sow chaos with help from Michelle and a new process candidate. That'll mean nothing to most people, I wouldn't imagine, but this is a really cool dystopian sci-fi series from Brazil, and uh, yeah, it's 
one of the most engaging bits of tv that i've seen in years i'm such a fan of it and i'd be very curious to know if anybody else checks this out if they like it yeah i haven't yet and uh, you have talked about it a lot yeah it's uh, i mean i don't i don't like bring it up all the time it's not like the guest but like um uh, every time there's an organic way to mention that people should watch three percent i tend to tell people to sky cinema then wins to the 12th we have the shed a teen and his best friend endure merciless bullying until they discover a bloodthirsty creature living in a country shed okay okay uh, amazon prime friday the 14th the meg <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. When the members of an underwater research facility are under threat owing to a 75-foot prehistoric shark, that'll do it. Jonas Taylor is hired to save them. Yeah, Jonas Taylor, of course, played by Jason Statham. So uh, what we actually have here is Jason Statham physically fighting a giant shark in the last moments of this. Yep, that sounds like your thing. That's available from Friday. And Shudder picking up a couple of things this week. Both films discussed in previous episodes of this show. Oh, right. Uh, Intruder. Okay, cool. Excellent. Uh, so I think that has been available globally, or at least in America, on Shudder for a while now, making its way to the UK. Mm-hmm. And Street Trash. Oh, wow. Which was discussed on the show some 18 months ago by Melanie Light. Jesus Christ. So uh, that's your lot for the streaming platforms this week. Um, mixed bag there. For me, I can't see past uh, 3% as my pick. I'm going to send you straight to Street Trash. I had a feeling you might, you know. <laughs> so turn our attentions to this week's show then. And it is time for our monthly Andy vs. Mitch episode. Wow, these seem to come round more and more frequently. Yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> they do, yeah. Like I say, anyone would think that we just drop them in to suit ourselves. Don't read anything into that at all. No, no, no. Uh, however, it is my turn. And as we've said previously, you tend to go for things often 70s, 80s. Sure, yes, um, yes. I tend to go for things that are a little bit more recent. Okay, what year are we in? We are in 2012 this time. Oh, okay. And it is um, a franchise entry. But what I would say is okay. that uh, you probably don't need to have seen the first two. And nodding acquaintance with what they're about would be good. It's a third entry in a franchise from 2012. Yeah. Okay, I think I know. Okay, I would be impressed if you know from just that. I have decided to head to 2012 with Paco Plaza's Rec 3 Genesis. Not what I was thinking at all. Okay, what did you have? What were you thinking <laughs> yeah. it was? I'm not telling you because it's silly. And I think I got the year wrong. All right, okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, we are uh, heading back for when the Wreck franchise boldly jettisoned its found footage conceit. It sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw this at Fright Fest, actually. Oh, did you? It was the year before I started going. I'm not going to ask you if you liked it. Going to keep that for the episode? Yeah, that's for next week, I think. But there's loads of reasons why I love this. And I think that the reasons that I love it are the same reasons a lot of people hate it. So I'm quite looking forward to getting into that and understanding what your take is on that as well. Sure, no problem, no problem. You can maybe even dig out my interview with Paco Plaza from Fright Fest. I think it's in an old issue of Scream somewhere if anyone's got them lying around. Oh, that's pretty cool. Also, if you want to check this out before the episode, then you can rent it on YouTube right. in the UK. Okay. And uh, you can also buy it on VOD on Amazon uh, for like four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. but you can rent it on uh, YouTube. It's like 80 minutes with credits. Hey, isn't it nice to have a film with a colon Genesis where the Genesis is spelled correctly? Yes, looking at you, Terminator. Yeah, Terminator. So, uh, big fun. It's Andy versus Mitch. It is my turn. And as ever, I've picked something that's going to be a slightly awkward conversation for everyone. Direct 3 Genesis. How are you feeling about that? If you want to get in touch, there are loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. And you can email scenes at gmail.com. Yes, and of course, check out our Patreon. Please, please, please just even have a look. Patreon.com com forward slash strong language violent scenes we've got some cool stuff on offer there there's more bonus content coming this week and i 
yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Have a little look. Um, and if you can't support us via Patreon, support us via clicking likes and reviews on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider is. Absolutely. And also, almost forgot, if you're looking to talk to some of the other fun people that you're hearing getting in touch, weighing in in the feedback section, all that kind of thing, then you can do that not only on all of our social media channels, but also in our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yes, The Chud Locker is there, and you won't have to be bothered by me commenting because I can't. You sure can't. We're back this Friday talking Rec 3 Genesis. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 